Hello, dear friends. We are sincerely happy to greet you again. Today we will talk with the esteemed Igor Mikhailovich Danilov. Greetings. Igor Mikhailovich, in our videos we discussed such a method of solving tasks as brainstorming, and we talked about the difference between real brainstorming and just a gathering of people, those very scientists, at one table. And you emphasized how important freedom actually is because creation is impossible without absolute freedom. Another very important criterion for brainstorming is that people, such as those very true scientists who will gather together, should not be dissonant among themselves. They should be synchronized in one goal. There shouldn't be any secondary benefits, and most importantly, they should not see enemies in each other. Then, in such a state, they will be able to invest enough attention in order to receive the answer to the vital question for every human being, to save us humans, and for us as humanity to even reach the first stage of development as a civilization. And you know, Igor Mikhailovich, with each video, we understand the value of our attention more and more deeply, the value of that power which is inherent in us, the value of the power of real, and we understand to what extent it is really the most valuable currency in the universe, which makes it possible to buy various answers to questions, to buy knowledge and information from the system. Yet the question is the following, is there such information or such knowledge which cannot be purchased from the system, from consciousness, even if all of us unite, and even if all the conditions of brainstorming will be observed? Are there questions? that the system will not give us answers to? Of course there are. And first of all, friends, the questions to which the system will never give answers are those which are beyond its perception. But there is also an internal question which is very important as well, which the system will not answer. Well, let's go step by step. The first thing it will not give is an explanation of what is beyond our universe. That's already what it won't give, what the world of God is, what God looks like, what a person feels when he becomes free from the devil, that is, when he becomes an angel and gains life, simply put, real life, true life. The system will not give answers to these questions. Also, it will conceal to the very end what the system itself is, whether it is possible to study it and what it looks like. What is the reason for that? Why will we not get the answer to the question what the system is and what consciousness is? What is the system and what does it look like? Well, first of all, it has no form, and it is practically impossible to study it at our level of scientific and technological progress, so to say. I'll explain why. We are inside the system itself. We are in the third dimension, while the system is higher. Let's say it begins in the fourth dimension, and the fourth through the sixth dimensions is the world of not only the system, but our consciousness as well. We can study the system itself just like our consciousness, only by means of our consciousness. It is the only tool that enables us to penetrate let's say, the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth dimensions. Yes, consciousness is limited in perception, but it can do that, because it is of the same nature. Let's just say, we don't have any other tool that we could bring beyond our three-dimensionality 
except our consciousness. But our consciousness is always, let's say, associative. It is always inaccurate in these matters. But that's if we look at it superficially. Whereas if we begin to study even consciousness itself in depth, we will face a lot of problems. Why? Let me explain. We are under the power of the system itself. Inside the system we are under the control and power of our consciousness. And let's put it this way, along with our consciousness, as part of the system we are inside, not outside. Therefore, we won't be able to study and receive answers about the system itself, just like about our consciousness, while being at this level of development. Even if we invest all of the attention of every person living in this world, and for a very long time, we will not get the answer. You've said that the system, consciousness, it has no image. But anyway, some kind of images arise in one's head, so that consciousness is sort of a cloud or some web, net, well, if we take it as, mycelium, and so yes, forth. Yes, if we imagine the system as an energy field, then how do we imagine the field? We immediately have something like a cloud. A field structure, yes, exactly. A field structure. It is supposed to look somehow like this. Something dense. Yes, some kind of density. Some lines, some electric discharges, or something else. Yes, exactly. And nowadays, there is also such an imposed theory that our consciousness is the work of neurons, that our consciousness is hidden in neurons of the brain, only there, but they haven't found it there and will never find it, friends. The connection is certainly traced. Let's put it simply, there are certain regions of the brain. Well, if people are interested, maybe we'll elaborate on that someday. But now, Let's put it simply and figuratively, there are certain regions of the brain that are respectively connected to a certain part of our consciousness and perform certain functions. Also, through our brain neurons, the information which comes from our consciousness gets not only to us as personality, but also to our body, causing in response a chemical, physical, physiological reactions and the like, meaning those very reflexes and everything else work. You see how simple everything really is? But neurons are merely a part of the chemical composition of our brain. Yes, they send out a certain signal of an electrical nature, by the way. This already indicates its secondary decomposition. When the electrical signal that goes from one neuron to another is already transformed, plus the function of our brain is also like a function of a movie projector, I would say. Certain images are generated and they are shown to us at the level of the brain. And there's a question here, who sees them? Do we see them as personality? Do we see them as primary consciousness? Do we see those images as secondary consciousness? Do you understand? So if we delve deeper into this study, we will come across such things that precisely this cameraman with a film tape is secondary consciousness. Primary consciousness is an initial viewer that is directly connected to us as personality, and it already retells us the footage it has seen. We as personality perceive what primary consciousness tells us, and with the help of primary consciousness, thanks to it, we see those images in our heads. Moreover, let's take those very dreams, although dreams have a slightly different nature, these are not quite cartoons in the head. Yes, on the one hand, they are cartoons, we see them, but we are active participants there. 
Whereas when we are thinking about something, and it's an interesting question here, we are thinking about something. Who is we in this statement? We as primary consciousness, we as secondary consciousness, or we as personality? Just look how it all unfolds, right? When people start exploring this, the function of the so-called third eye… What is the third eye, by the way? Well, you close your eyes… Something related, yes. Imagine your chamomile, and you see it in your head, right? What do you see it with? By what means? We have a certain organ. It is actually the third eye. It reacts even to light, to everything else. And it generates, gives rise to those pictures in our head. Is it this very projector? It is this very projector, of course. That's what really forms a sort of… a screen in us. And a dream is connected with this organ, but it is also directly connected with personality. And it is also directly connected with secondary consciousness, bypassing primary consciousness. And this is where the phenomenon of our dream is manifested. And that's why during the phase of this dream, let's say, when we watch cartoons, third forces, let's call them so, may easily connect to us, because we are actually unprotected. Well, there are many interesting things. It's very interesting. Again, when we start studying our consciousness more deeply, say, in more detail, when we try to get to the bottom of it, you know, every well has a bottom. Is that logical? Yes. In order to study There it, are boundaries, there are some limits. Well, certainly, so that we can study not just what is observed. After all, today's science boils down to what? To observation and description of what is observed, right? A form and an image are needed. Of course, certain conditions. And as a consequence, we get a certain result, right? This is repeated. This is repeated with different people, meaning we study patterns of our consciousness, These regularities. certain regularities, deviations, under what conditions, how and what. But this is all a science of observation and description. Yet it's not a creative science, right? Igor Mikhailovich, in the course of several centuries, has at least anyone approached the study of consciousness for real? No. Has anyone managed? It's impossible. From the perspective of three-dimensionality, it's impossible using our consciousness as a tool for exploring consciousness. It's impossible. I will explain why. A lot of people who really tried to study consciousness, penetrated deep into it and used different techniques, well, they themselves invented them. After all, they were scientists with world-renowned names. And the most interesting thing is that at a certain point they closed their projects. Why? Because… What did they encounter? What took place? What? They encountered the fact that they started to lose themselves. Because even our primary consciousness is multi-layered. Consciousness is the most complex labyrinth, and sometimes without an exit. And once a person enters there, he can really get lost. A lot of people who tried to explore their consciousness while relying on the crutches of science, so to say, stayed there and never came back. I mean, they went crazy, in the literal sense of the word, friends. There are plenty of such examples in history, in the history of medicine, in the history of science. There are a lot of them, and an even greater number, 
of those true, serious scientists who were atheists, you know, people from science, let's say, even hereditary scientists, they became religious fanatics, they definitely became believers, but they also became fanatics. It wasn't a slip of a tongue, that's how it was. Why? Because they came to the understanding that the devil exists and that our consciousness is not us. And at this point, the most frightening moment in exploring oneself and one's consciousness began, because they got into such states and such situations, well, some of the described effects, the weakest ones that occur at the first stage, and that a person can overcome by pulling his will together, are claustrophobic attacks at the moment of exploring his own consciousness literally while observing it. In other words, people experienced physical, I emphasize, physical pressure and uncontrollable fear. Why? Why? After all, they were safe. And again, with the help of their consciousness, they realized that they were safe, they were under the supervision of their colleagues, they were simply lying on a couch, relaxed, you know, like at the psychologist's office, but just trying to get inside themselves by means of their consciousness. Consciousness controls chemical reactions in a person. Of course. So at this point, as you just said, hormonal reactions began in response and the resulting chemical reactions, which drove a person out of this object of study entirely. Wow. Look how interesting and serious it all is. In other words, when exploring themselves, when exploring consciousness, people who follow the spiritual path may also encounter the fact that consciousness narrows their perception. If you don't know who you are as a personality, exactly. if you don't rise exactly. one step higher… And here, you've just answered it yourself. If people use the right practices, if they use what the Prophet spoke about and follow a simple, straight path without getting into mazes, then they have no problem. They just stop serving Satan. Don't listen to his whispers. Don't get distracted. Well, as best as they can, they steadily go towards the goal and gain life. Look how simple, clear and understandable everything is. In general, friends, I must say that the teachings brought here by, let's say, Jesus Christ and by the last Prophet, the best of people, Muhammad, after all, those were indeed simple and easily understandable tools, because you cannot call them otherwise. Those were really the tools with which a person could easily defeat shaitan and come to Allah. Go not only beyond the third dimension, definitely, sure, into the seventh those dimension, images, but actually into the seventh dimension, into freedom, into life. Basically, the gate was opened out of the slavery of three-dimensionality, out of, of this course. slavery of images. Exactly. Why? Because people were told about those very images and everything else. Both Jesus Christ and the Prophet Muhammad told about that. Everything was described and conveyed simply, easily and clearly. Well, we know what happened afterwards and how, due to misunderstanding, people turned everything upside down, twisted it all and made it more complicated. Well, they had such a task. So it turns out that consciousness still tries to turn what it doesn't understand into an image. We see how scientists Everything is in images. want to draw at least some image for this consciousness, right? Meaning to present everything in images, just like in religions? You see, Tatiana, I'll tell you simply. I was in science for a long time. I conversed a lot with really smart people, we are friends with many of them. So, however, I'll tell you one thing, everyone thinks in images. 
and looks for images everywhere. If there is no image, it's impossible to study. It's just that our consciousness refuses to perceive anything, just look. I'll give you a simple example, because some people will start objecting now. Well, guys, I will counter the electromagnetic field. Do we know what it is? Yes, we have studied its manifestation. We understand that there is a magnetic tape, such a film, we can see on it how voltage waves are arranged there, and so forth. But what are those waves? What kind of energy? What is the nature of the electromagnetic field? We only see this trail. Certainly, we see the consequence. But we don't see the essence. The same is with electricity. We use it, we understand and know, but nobody has yet clearly described what electricity is. Because that electricity which we use has a lot of characteristics, and it is even different in its essence. Although its efficiency, the principle, remains the same, right? I mean, the efficiency of let's say, both static electricity and the one generated at those very power plants and the like, is the same, isn't it? Well, for instance, we turn on a power generator and an FFG based on an electrostatic machine. These are two different kinds of electric energy, absolutely different. Their nature of origin is different. Their essence is different, but the power impact is identical. You see? Interesting. But again, the power impact, in this case only electricity generated by means of an electrostatic machine, has a power impact. You see? There is an element of power there, which quickly decays and transforms into the same electricity as when we generate it, on an ordinary generator, for instance, a diesel or gasoline one, or when we take ready-made electricity that is supplied to us from a hydroelectric or nuclear power plant, it doesn't matter. These kinds of electricity have the same essence and nature, owing to the emergence of an electromagnetic field. Electricity is generated and it is already distributed through wires. And here's a question, does it flow along wires, or does it create vibrations, or does it create voltage, or does it go around a wire in the field, creating a field structure? You see, there are a lot of questions. Yes, there are answers, and everyone is right in their own way, but at the same time, no one is right. Because we're actually confined in this system of images, of course. the system of three-dimensional coordinates. Certainly. Yet, let us touch upon the electricity which Tesla talked about, okay? After all, it's a completely different kind of electricity, and its nature seems to be similar, but it's not the same, and it manifests itself differently. And despite its capacity, yes, they explain and describe why and how, why there are a lot of volts and few amps, that it is harmless to a human, and so on. But in its nature, when Tesla ran ordinary electricity through his transformers, it was converted into a high-voltage wave, but he created such conditions that ordinary electricity became similar to the one generated by feel-free generators. That's interesting, isn't it? As a matter of fact, we don't know anything yet. We have a lot of discoveries ahead of us. But on the other hand, we know a lot of things. We already use them, look, all the gadgets, electricity is all around, we have cameras, lighting and everything else. All this is electricity. We have also invented LEDs and whatnot, right? 
electronics and all the rest. We have everything. We cannot get beyond this closed circuit. But we don't know what electricity is, you see? You know, it's exactly the same with the issue of self-exploration. Actually, when a person loses who he is as a personality, for instance, you told us about scientists who lose themselves because they don't know who they are, either this very multi-layer primary consciousness, as you said, or thousands of factors of secondary consciousness. All this is very interesting, yes. Likewise in religions, when a person doesn't understand who he is, he also presents those things that have no images, the concept of God and the concept of who the devil is, in some kind of a strange and very fairy tale like form. You've raised a good question. Friends of mine, please answer me. Who is the Antichrist? The Antichrist is who? Against Christ. Yes, the one opposing Christ. The one who is against Christ, opposing Christ. The Antichrist. The Antichrist, right. yes. Everyone is waiting for him to come. Or at the end of times, right. At the end of times, yes. That, for example, like in Islam, Jesus will defeat yes. the Antichrist in the time of Mahdi. But again, in the very Islam, it is also said that the Antichrist came during the times of the Prophet. He came in the Prophet's time. Yes, that he was born in the Prophet's time. Well, I have a question. When did the Antichrist appear? At the time when Christ came? There is logic, right? Well, you know, Igor Mikhailovich, there is a question here indeed who the Antichrist is, because everyone actually expects an individual, that it will be some kind of incarnation of universal evil, a false messiah, that it will be a specific person. Is it a specific person? May I ask you another question? Didn't Jesus talk about this, how it was? And what did people invent? Or did the best of people, the Prophet Muhammad, not talk about this? And what did people say afterwards? But in Christianity, it is indirectly said that whoever is against Jesus, there is a spirit of the Antichrist in him. Yes. The one who recognizes Jesus has a spirit of God in him. In other words, if there is a spirit of the Antichrist in a person, the Antichrist already exists in fact. So when did he appear? When people appeared in their complex structure, right? When a human is a part of God on one side and a part of the devil on the other, right? When there is both an angel and a demon in him. Here's the answer. So the Antichrist is exactly the system itself, the devil. It's a human himself. The human consciousness. You see, everyone is waiting. I really like this, that according to Islam, that very Antichrist will come and he will be squint-eyed. One-eyed, curly-haired. They gave such a description of him. On a donkey. Yes, he will come. And he will rule, he's supposed to be defeated, and everything else, you know, those kind of stories. A specific person. Again, images, again, everything else. Well, in fact, did he go anywhere? Why should he come if he didn't go anywhere? He didn't leave out of a single person. That's the answer. Even when a person gains life and becomes an angel during his lifetime while being still in the body, the Antichrist doesn't go anywhere. The Antichrist doesn't have an image? He surely doesn't. Well, I would put it as follows. He has many images. Do you know why? Why? Approach a mirror and take a look. What will you see? An angel or a demon? The Antichrist. Of course you will see the Antichrist. Why? Because everything mortal and everything material in this world and in this three-dimensionality is a part of the system. So it is definitely the Antichrist. The flesh that opposes… Of course, the flesh that opposes the Spirit. That's the answer. 
That's why each of you, friends, admiring yourself in a mirror, sees that very Antichrist. Of course, if you're not lucky and you fit the description, as it is in Islam, you don't have an eye, such things happen, it is life. Well, and all other beautiful features, you are crooked, squint-eyed, and so on. Then you are not lucky, right? But as a rule, you won't even encounter such a likeness. After all, they describe what a person will never actually meet or encounter in his life, right? See, we know the image of the beast… Absolutely right. And the image of… You've taken the beast now, haven't you? After all, the Prophet clearly said that the beast will come out of the earth at the end of times, and people will answer for their sins. And the beast will speak to you in an unusual way when showing your sinfulness. What did people invent afterwards? These polytheists and unbelievers, I'll put it so. Because not a single believer in Allah, all the more not a single faithful to the Prophet, would ever twist his words. And he would not interpret from his demon what the Prophet himself wanted to say, for his words were simple and clear to understand. Did he really describe this beast, which is a donkey with a bull's face, with the ears of an elephant, and which will approach every human and talk to him, huh? I mean… In an unusual language. Right. Did the Prophet really speak about it? A simple question, who invented this? And for what purpose? People faithful to the Prophet? No. You've now said the key point, for what purpose? In order to give an image to fools and manipulate them afterwards. Look how simple everything is, isn't it? And then… At the same time, they were very well aware that people would never see such a fruit of genetic experiments. For someone's fantasy. Yes. Isn't it true? Yes, exactly. You will not encounter such a monster in your life. Therefore, you will certainly not encounter such an Antichrist which was described. It means he doesn't exist. Thus, you can do what you want because you are no longer the Antichrist, you do not fit his image, although you do exactly what the Antichrist does. When you oppose the Prophet himself, when you go against him, when you oppose Jesus Christ, when instead of love you impose violence, pain and suffering, but you are not the Antichrist, are you? After all, you don't look like him. Isn't it so? Look how easy this is. The end of times is coming. The world is collapsing, and the beast is in the wild, that beast which the Prophet himself spoke about, the Cerberus, the beast which came with earthquakes, with droughts, and with volcanic activity, which is really devouring now. So far, it is devouring mostly that which is materially valuable for us. But it takes few people, a little time will pass, and everyone will start answering for their sins. This beast will start devouring people without distinguishing between friends or foes. It doesn't have friends, we are just fodder for it, and this must be understood. And it speaks to us in an unusual way, and it forces us to answer for the sins we've committed. Isn't that true? And let us look at this from the perspective of the best of men, what did he say regarding the beast? The beast will not appear from heaven, it will come out from the bowels, that is, it will appear from under the earth. Isn't that how it is happening? We have scientifically proven that now, even at the conference. Yes, exactly. It will come out from the bowels. Yes. It hasn't fallen from the sky. 
right? Yes. Now the Cerberus is already walking in our courtyards, and it will make each of us answer for our sins. It will talk to people in the most unusual way. Isn't it talking to us in the most unusual way now? It seems to me that a more unusual language than the one which the Cerberus speaks to us now is scary to think of. It is the language of destruction of our home, of our planet. This is the most frightening and the most unusual language when each of us, those who have realized the extent and the kind of danger we are already in, and that tomorrow the Cerberus can come to us and simply destroy us along with our city, along with our country. It seems to me it is extremely unusual language, which forces us to think about our sins. It is scary, but it is just. And that's the point, justice. When we get what we deserve, we as humanity, when you're waiting for precisely this image which was described, you're missing what is happening right now. And that's the essence. You do not see the truth because you're waiting for this very long-eared donkey to come to you and start talking to you. That's when there will be the end of times. But when the invisible Cerberus walks around and makes each of us answer for our actions, all those who lived before us, all those who didn't obey the Prophet, but why? That's where the key point is. After all, the Prophet left a foundation for us to build a creative society. You can call it whatever you want, but it's a new, beautiful world in which all of us should have been united long ago. The whole world should have become one Ummah where love and respect reign. Isn't that what the Prophet spoke about? Isn't that what he taught people? To respect, to love, to be brothers, to help each other and that the most important value is human life, right? In other words, this is the creative society. If we as people would have listened to the Prophet back then and followed him, followed his disciples, followed Ali, instead of following polytheists, those fantasists who create images for people, let's put it so, do you understand long-eared donkeys and the like? crooked and squint-eyed Antichrist, so that they themselves would not match them. If we as humanity would have followed Ali back then, there would have been a different world, and now the Cerberus would not have come. That's the point, friends. And this is true. We would have already developed scientifically and technologically a long time ago. Long ago we would have become a united civilization. Long ago we would have been, at least, at the first level, or who knows, maybe even already at the second level of our development, we would no longer care about this cyclicity, and no Cerberuses, no one except Chihuahuas, would walk around here, so to say, along with other breeds, but not fairy dogs, devouring our home. That's the point, and that's what the Prophet was talking about. Another question, how could he know if he's an ordinary man, right, as some people say. He's an ordinary man, he used the Torah, he used the Bible and so on. Based on that, he created the teaching and then told it. But if he is such an ordinary man, how did he know what would happen? My friends, except from Allah, he couldn't know anything. After all, you do not know what will happen tomorrow. 
while the Prophet knew what would happen even in our times, not just tomorrow, he warned everyone about what would happen to Islam, how people would act. He drove away the polytheist Umar so much and told everyone, do not follow him, he's a liar. But we as humanity did follow him. Yes, not everyone did. Some will say, we didn't follow him, we are Christians. Others will say, we are atheists, we didn't follow anyone at all. But what good does it make? if you are atheists. And here's a simple question, are there neutral people who are neither for God nor for the devil? They don't believe in anyone. Sort of a convenient, balancing position. Yes, right. I sort of believe or disbelieve. I'm neither for these nor I for have those. Nothing to do with I it. have nothing to do with it. I have my own truth. There's science. You know, this is how many people reason. If something is not proven scientifically, it doesn't exist. If, I'll translate, if I cannot feel it with my hands and cannot see it, hence it doesn't exist. An image. Yes. As long as there's no image. So who are they? They are precisely the Antichrists, ordinary Antichrists, with the mindsets from consciousness, trivial manipulators, whom, let's say, even the devil raises onto some kind of a throne and exalts over others, so that they spread this stupidity. You know, so that heretics would breed, so that there would be fewer people who follow the Prophet, so that there would be fewer people faithful to Jesus Christ. That's the answer to how powerful the devil is, right? Meanwhile, the Prophet had very high hopes for the last people, very high hopes for those chosen ones yes. who live nowadays. Well, he has hopes not had them. He still does. He's alive, unlike those who followed the polytheist. He hopes that humanity will actually be able to accept Islam in its pure form, that the Ummah will be able to unite, and that still there are people who are truly faithful to Him and who love Allah. Igor Mihailovich, from the perspective of the information given today, how to understand that Jesus will defeat the Antichrist in the times of Mahdi? You see, again, there is such an interpretation written by those polytheists and their followers, who have twisted and turned everything inside out. So, based on their interpretation, it should be like this. When Mahdi comes and he is still hidden, the Antichrist will come. And then Jesus Christ will come, who will defeat the Antichrist and give a floor to Mahdi to reveal himself. Just look images, actions, and whatnot. Isn't that so? While people merely observe. While people wait. But how? Should it be? Because it's not the case. How should it really be? As for how it should be in reality, it was described by the Prophet that Mahdi will reveal himself when people change the world. Or to put it simply, build the creative society, build a society that the best of people, the Prophet, the Prophet of all humanity, commanded to build regardless of religious beliefs, I'll put it this way, because He was the Prophet of Allah Himself. Meanwhile, we have one God, no matter what we call Him. And Muhammad is the last Prophet. 
Therefore, he is ours, the Prophet of all humankind. Based on what the Prophet Muhammad told us, and how everything is very, very simple in reality. You and I have explained what the Antichrist is, and he existed even before Jesus Christ came. What is Jesus Christ? Love. Exactly. Light. So, Jesus Christ brought love here, and He said that only through love can a human gain life. Through love, not through the fear of God, not through the fear of Jesus Christ, but only through Him. And Jesus embodied the highest love here, God's love. So only through love, through truth, can humanity defeat the Antichrist, not somewhere, but everyone inside themselves, and the world will change. Well, let me put it simply, if people are able to overcome their avarice, their pridefulness, their desire to manipulate and rule over someone, and such a notion as power, insatiability and greed, so, if people are able to do that, and actually build and change the world, save humanity, and right now it's a matter of saving humanity, then Mahdi will reveal himself. This process is underway, but whether or not it will happen in time depends on every person. That's the question. And in this case, each person, literally each person, is actually Jesus Christ. And every person must defeat the Antichrist precisely in himself and accept that truth which the Prophet Muhammad was the last to proclaim here, the truth from God Himself. That's the point. Look how simple everything is. So this battlefield takes place in everyone. Definitely. And it's important that the light wins. Sure. If a person doesn't defeat the Antichrist inside himself, what kind of victory can we talk about in general? After all, the most important victory is to defeat the beast in oneself or the Antichrist. Right? It's all interesting. Let's just say, a lot is said and written about it, but I'll put it this way, friends, it's enough to look inside yourselves, not to lie, not to be up in the clouds, you know how it is, not to exalt yourself through consciousness, but to face the Truth, and you will understand to what extent all this is true, and how truthfully Jesus Christ and the Prophet Muhammad spoke, and how much we, people, have distorted their teaching and the knowledge, how we have turned the Truth into lies, how we turned what is eternally alive into material images, into fiction. Yet why have we done that? In order to manipulate each other, so that for a very short span of human life it is very small. How long do we live? It is almost nothing. And to spend this nothing on profiteering and satisfying vile Antichrist qualities, isn't that true? But at the same time, in each of us, there is Jesus Christ, God's love. In each of us, there is personality that strives for the Prophet Muhammad and for Allah. Isn't that so? It is. And that's regardless of religion, because religions were invented by people. Did Jesus bring a religion here, 
Or did the Prophet Muhammad bring a religion here? No. They brought freedom, joy and life. They brought love here. So, friends, let's love each other. Thank you. Thank you so much, Igor Mikhailovich. Thank you, friends. Peace be with you.